Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address. Now let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. I want to tell you about Fat Brother Soap. You know, way back in the day, and I'm talking caveman days, humans used to bathe under roaring waterfalls under the clear blue sky. Now many of us are stuck in a tiny shower in an overcrowded city, and the guys over at Fat Brother Soap have had about enough. Carefully selected by the Fat Brother himself, these soaps contain all natural ingredients like sunflower, coconut, lemon, and more. Remember, it is never too late to leave boring, mediocre body washes that are filled with chemicals behind and get back in touch with your inner caveman. Go to fatbrothersoap.com to learn more and join the Fat Brother family. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, and we are coming to you, as always, from the Spotlight Studios in Morristown, New Jersey. This is part of the bigger PodMax event here on January 15th. These episodes will post at a later date, not 100% sure yet, but this is round two uh, of the three-part interview series that we're doing at this event. Uh, our guest today has been a regularly featured expert on the HGTV show House Detectives, co-host of the DIY network series Finders Fixers, and is host of the Home and Garden Show, a radio show on WOKV, as well as sold in St. August Augustine on WSOS. He hosts the Commercial Real Estate Today podcast featuring experts in commercial real estate from agents to lenders and developers to renovators. He authored the number one Amazon bestseller, Home Inspection Secrets of the Happy Home Inspector. He is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, retired Navy pilot, licensed contractor, home inspector, energy auditor, media expert, and entrepreneur who founded Home Pro Inspections in 1994 and rebranded the commercial division as Monument Commercial Building Inspections in 2017. He is Wally Conway. Wally, welcome. Man, you left out the most important part of my bio. What's the most important part? I can't believe I missed it. I'm a 1973 graduate of Pensacola High School. Oh, man. I missed that part. Yeah, man. <laughs> I played baseball at Pensacola High School. We were the uh, group four champions in uh, that particular season. When I, my senior season in 73, it was a, a great, great thing. That's how I ended up in the Naval Academy was slinging baseballs in Pensacola. No kidding. All right. We're, we're not even going to talk about the real estate stuff yet because I played baseball in high school and then also in college. And I was going to talk to you about this because I, uh, I you know, was reading through your bio and doing a little bit of research last night before we got on today. And I saw the Naval Academy thing. I did not know the baseball stuff. I played baseball in high school, like I said, and I always thought that I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. And we were at a tournament. Uh, I played with a team, you know, in DC, uh, you know, I'm from Jersey, obviously, but played with a team in DC that summer before my senior year. And we did a tournament at the Naval Academy. And I had always thought like, that was like, but the number one school on my list was I want to go to Annapolis. That's what I want. It was during plebe week. And I was like, yep, this isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was That's that fun. experience like? Like take us through maybe just like the Naval Academy, the baseball side of it. I'm just interested in all of it now. So well, I got to take you to the South Jersey baseball side of it yeah. first, you know, grew up playing, uh, you know, little league and, and then Babe Ruth league. 
And the big deal, and, and now when I talk about playing Babe Ruth baseball, a 13-year-old guy, we're talking in uh, 67, 68, 69, and Maple Shade had the only lighted baseball stadium that kids could play at, you know, yep. in, in South Jersey. And to, to make the all-star team and meant you got to go play under the lights in Maple Shade, one of my best memories ever. But I will tell you how I ended up in the Naval Academy was I, I was a pitcher and a shortstop. So what ends up happening, I, I applied to the Naval Academy and unbeknownst to me, they sent scouts to come see if I could play baseball because I really wasn't very smart. Even though I went to Penn Sock and I graduated <laughs> barely in the top half of my class. I'm, yep. I'm a smart guy, but I, I was not a, uh, a great student. Right. Because I had other things more important in my mind. Right. Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it, it's, uh, it, you know, it's 1973. And at that time, the biggest high school in South Jersey was, was Kennedy High. And I don't know if it still is. Do you ever have one of those days when you were a pitcher and, and the ball outperformed you? Yes. I pitched a one hitter against Kennedy that when the scouts were there seeing if I could play baseball. And the funny thing is the one hit was a really hot ground ball that went between my legs. <laughs> and had I not been afraid of the ball, it would have been a hitter. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was also a pitcher. That's how I, you know, that's how I did my college career. And then after college actually was a college baseball coach for almost five years and then, you know, started selling title insurance. So I really went the whole 180 degree turn on that. So we have like surprisingly a very similar, you know, trajectory on our career paths, I guess. Right. Well, I may be able to help you in your career future at Fidelity, the, the national headquarters of Fidelity insurance is probably i'm on my boat now we broadcast from studio c is my right. boat if i started the motors in about four minutes i could be tied up in front of fidelity nationals headquarters there you go and black knight all those buildings are right yeah. down the, right down the river from me and bill foley the uh, chairman who now owns the los and las vegas golden what's, knights. The hockey, what's the hockey golden team? knights the golden knights yeah, yeah. He, uh, he lived here for, for a very long time, and his son actually went to school with my son for a brief time. Yeah, that's incredible. So if, you, if you want a little boost in your career, come on down. We'll jump in the boat. We'll roll down the river. And we can oh, sell listen, I'm in. Yeah. I, I would love to broadcast from Studio C as opposed to the, the, more, the Spotlight Studios because the Spotlight Studios is here in Morristown, but it's technically in my one-bedroom apartment in Morristown. So I don't have a lot of space, not a lot of freedom, no view of the ocean. I won't tell you what my view is out here, but it's not the ocean, I'll tell you that. Mike, it's why we do these things together, to boost each other, to encourage each other, to spread the word of the great things you're doing, not only in the podcast universe, but in your professional life, your personal life, who you are. Right. Once people get to know you, like you, and trust you, what do they want to do? They want to do business together. Exactly. And that's why we all do what we do. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to the Naval Academy stuff. So you graduate from the Naval Academy. You're a Navy pilot. Where are you based? Were you stationed someplace? Yeah, I, I took a circuitous route on that. Like I do everything else. I got out of the Naval Academy. I did graduate, but I graduated in the bottom 10 in my class. I was probably the, the lowest ranked individual in graduation who had English as a first language. You know, we had a lot of foreign exchange students and people from other countries. And, and, and some of them graduated below me, but I, I, I had a lot of struggle, a lot of struggles. Right. 
So I was not excited about an, an, another academic struggle like going to flight school or going to nuclear power school. So I went and became a ship's officer. So that took me from, uh, from Annapolis up to Newport, Rhode Island. I was up there for the great winter of 78. And uh, they also sent me while I was in Newport to the Naval Justice School. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds was big time. My first job in the Navy, I was a discipline officer, or the ship's discipline officer on the USS Independence, an aircraft carrier, to take a kid from basically Camden and make him a discipline officer in an aircraft carrier. <laughs> there's an irony in there that says, right. perhaps we shouldn't trust government. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta know your people, I feel like, right? <laughs> so I spent two years on the aircraft carrier, ended up as the navigation uh, division officer on the aircraft carrier, which was really exciting. And then went off to flight school. That's what, that's what got me to fly. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. And then, so, um, how, how, what is it? A five-year commitment after coming out of the Naval Academy? Yeah. Four years of school, five-year initial commitment to the Naval Academy. And then as they send you to other schools, they ask for other things. So right. I restarted my five-year clock Okay. three years after I graduated to uh, pay back to flight school. Gotcha. So that was, uh, so how long was that? Were you in the Navy for after, after this, after school, just so I could get uh, the timeline together. Soup to nuts, just over 20 years. Okay. All right. So then at what point do you, do you say to yourself, okay, I need to make a transition into something else. You know, like the Navy has, you know, served me well, run its course. Now I'm going to move into what was like the first thing you moved into. So I had advance notice that it was time to retire. I didn't choose to retire. It was the great Clinton drawdown. And he said, hey, why don't you go home? I said, I'm not ready to go home. I'm having fun. I like this. They sent me home. I had 18 months notice. And I started thinking, I got to get, I got to do something. I was 39 years old. You can't be retired at 39 years old or right. else you end up as a, as a, as a cokehead or something goes south. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have anything to occupy your mind and body, you know, something bad usually happens. Yeah. So during my time on active duty, I got involved uh, playing with houses, quite frankly. I, I, I built several houses. I flipped houses, renovated houses. I held some mortgages. I was a landlord. So I always was really interested and excited about real estate. When it came time to retire, it occurred to me, I never had a real job. I, I delivered the courier post when I was a kid, but I never had a, a real job. I never had a resume. And even though I was a Navy pilot and, and not a, I guess, a reasonably courageous guy in some sense, I found it intimidating, the idea of going and begging for somebody to give me a job. Right. So I thought I'd start a company. And home inspecting was brand new. So I wanted it in real estate and it was new. It was like a blue ocean. You know, there was nine home inspectors in the phone book. Call your mom, ask her what the phone book was for. There were nine home inspectors in the phone book and each one of those inspectors, it was just chucking a truck. There are no real businesses. So our staff, our home inspection staff through a, a bit of good fortune and an entrepreneurial focus and very candidly uh, reading some of Perry Marshall's books, <laughs> Dan Kennedy and those kinds of guys. I started reading business books, entrepreneurial books. Our staff within a couple of years was larger than the industry in our area. So okay. that's how it got started. And then we branched over time in the commercial buildings and we started monument commercial building inspections and all this other fun stuff has come along on the entrepreneurial ride. Right. Um, so this is, this might be a forward question, but I don't care. I'm going to ask it anyway. So you're a guy that comes from a military background, right? So you go to the, go to Annapolis, you spend 20 years in the Navy. 
you, you don't necessarily strike me as like the prototypical guy, like personality wise of a, like a military man, you know, like you're more, you have more personality than what I would think a military guy would have. Um, so like, <laughs> Maybe like when you were starting that business, were there things that you were able to draw from like just your own personality and like the background that you had in the Navy to kind of get the business going the way the, as successful as it was early on? Well, for me, you know, systems and process was everything. You, you can't navigate an aircraft carrier or, or fly off an aircraft carrier without systems and process. So we built the business from day one with systems and process in place. And the idea of communicating to people, I have been talking on microphones out of airplanes and talking on microphones ship to ship and, and, and briefing admirals and doing. So the idea of, of speaking clearly and succinctly and, and with purpose had been driven into me forever. Right. And uh, I started the inspection company. All I would do in the beginning for marketing and business development, and mind you, this is all pre-internet, pre-everything, I would go to open houses and I had a little pitch book. There was no PowerPoint at that point. It was basically a book of cartoons. And I'd go to open houses and, and visit with 10 agents on Saturday and 10 real estate agents on Sunday and say, hey, this is me. This is the business we're running. And I'd love to do business with you. And I would do that day after day after day. And one day, one of the agents said, you should come uh, speak about this in our office. So then I said, sure, that's a great idea. And then I started speaking in offices. And then one day, one of the offices says, you should do this for our company. We started it doing for companies. I ended up on training staffs. I'm actually on the training staff for Florida Realtors across the state. So, and, but it all just started with uh, communicating to people and telling the story, which is what I, I, I love about your show. I love about the format. You just share with people, this is who I am. This is how I feel. This is where I came from. This is what I do. And what can we do together to, to have fun, to build businesses, to take care of other people? Right. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I mentioned to you before, like the majority of my listeners are young professionals involved in real estate, 25 to 40, somewhere in that age range. And a lot of times, like we started doing the show, a lot of panel uh, discussions about topics in the real estate industry, but it's obviously hard to, you know, gather a panel of three or four people every single week. Um, so then we started doing more solo shows. And what I found that like really started moving the needle as far as listens and, and all that kind of stuff goes is being able to just like draw a connection between the guest and that person, because you've gone through your own experiences in life and all that. And everybody's gone through their own stuff. Same thing with me. And, you know, I didn't know all that stuff about the baseball and all that. So there was like an easy parallel that we both had that we yeah. were able to connect with each other. And I'm sure there's people that are listening and I know they're a fact, I know for a fact because they're friends of mine that have gone through basically the exact same experiences that you and I have. And next thing you know, it's like easier to listen to what you have to say because you're 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 a real person. You're not just like Wally sitting on Studio C in the middle of the ocean down in Florida. You know, you're you're a real guy. You know, you have yeah, real exactly. real world experiences. I'll tell you something really interesting, Mike, about marketing and business development for real estate agents. Home inspection company math, business math, and real estate agent math is exactly the same. That is, a million dollars in gross commission income for a real estate agent looks exactly like a million dollars in gross income for a home inspection company. Right. The difference is it takes 10 times as many transactions to get a million bucks. All right. Here's another interesting thing. We're speaking to the exact same customer at the exact same time right. in the transaction. Well, we generate as a company about 4,000 leads a year in our little market down here in Jacksonville, Florida. 
I do programs to teach agents about marketing, business development for real estate agents. They say, well, what the hell could a home inspector know about marketing for a real estate company? I'm like, we're talking to the same person. Yeah. And we generate 10 times as many leads as you need to generate to get the same net dollar. Right. So it's really fascinating how similar the businesses are when you let it be that way. Right. And I got to share something that was really fun for me. I had the good fortune in 2015 to end up in a room with Gary Keller at, in Austin in his personal conference room. And he was building a program called uh, Empire Builders, okay. 13 Steps to a Business Worth Owning. And I was in the inaugural group of 80 that went through the program directly with Gary. That led to being invited to become a bold coach for Keller Williams. Did that all over the country. And then a one thing certified trainer. And it's mind boggling in real estate. And it doesn't matter whether you're selling title insurance, you're selling mortgages, you're selling home inspections, or you're selling the house itself. The conversations that need to be had to build trust and confidence with a customer are identical. Yeah. They're identical. It's, it's not that difficult. Right. Yeah. You mentioned like the no like and trust thing. I mean, it's, it's like, it's all relationship driven. I mean, excuse me, like the, um, like my job as a title insurance salesperson is just there. It's, it's all regulated. Right. So like, it doesn't matter who you go to, you're going to get charged the exact same price for the exact same <laughs> product. So you just need to build those relationships because you're not going to get a <laughs> no better price. Who you buy it from. Exactly. It's all underwritten by fidelity anyway. Right. So, you know, you might as <laughs> well make some, <laughs> have some fun, have some fun and make some friends while you're, while you're, while you're going along with it, because then that's when you get that business, when your, your relationships are so strong. So it's just interesting that you say that. Um, I'm interested to kind of see like at what point in this whole, you know, career path that you have going. Like, I'm very interested in like your media career because it seems like you're a little bit ahead of your time um, when, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, you know, being able to, to recognize that, like, you know, whether you're on television, whether you're on radio, whether you have your podcast that you have, um, you know, like, like you're, especially in a world, like I had, was interviewing someone yesterday that is actually from, also from Florida and she is a, a public adjuster. Right. So like she was a social media influencer, but she's like the only social media influencer of public adjusting because how many public adjusters are influencing on social media. Right. So like then you have somebody like you home inspection. I can't imagine that there's that many people that are in the media world, in the real estate world that are doing the types of media stuff that you're doing. So at what point did you say like, hey, maybe this is something that it, it could uh, open up some new markets for me? So I'll, I'll tell you inside baseball, but I'm only sharing this with you and don't share it to anyone else. You okay? I won't. <laughs> so when you open a business, it doesn't matter what the business is, whether it's a home inspection business, a title business, it's a trucking business. As soon as that business is open, you're inundated with media salespeople. And they want to tell you, oh, you need to be, you need to buy ads in this radio show. You need to be in the Courier Post, and if it's still even there. They, they want to tell you that if you don't buy ad space in this magazine, this publication, this broadcast, your competitor will and you're toast. They all tell you that. I'm like, oh, gosh. So I started spending money on stuff that made no sense at all because I didn't know otherwise. Right. And I had a media sales rep that I befriended. Her name's Kathy Curtis. And, and she started whispering in my ear about media. And here's how media truly works. I want you to imagine 
any media company you choose. It could be your favorite one. It could be the New York Times. It could be News Corp. Every single media building, think of it as a building, in the world is when you go in the front door, I want you to imagine you go in the front door and you can turn right or you can turn left. When you turn right is all of the people who sit all day and their job is to sell ad space. And their day is not done and they, until they fill the allotted amount of space. And it doesn't matter whether it's print space or 30 seconds in a radio spot or a TV spot or some podunk magazine thing. They got to sell that to somebody. Their success is judged whether or not they get it sold. And frankly, they don't care much or know much about the outcome. They know nothing about your business. They're just selling your crap. Right. But when you came into that building, you turned left metaphorically, that is the content creators. Those are the people who are writing the articles and producing the shows and hosting the news and doing what they need to do to attract ears and eyeballs to that particular piece of media. The people when you turned right, the ad people want to take money from you. Right. The people on the left, the content producers, their day is done when you've given them something interesting and insightful for them to cause to be content. Yeah. And I yeah. went, oh, I want to be a content creator. Well, as a con and this was 25 years ago, right. she whispered in my ear. By being a content creator, suddenly what was said to be advertising, you're not advertising anymore. You are the expert who's featured it. You're the one who's quoted. You're the one whose podcast is in the ears while they're working out. So that, that was an epiphany. And that's, that is what led to all of the media opportunities, causing media people, introducing myself to media people, putting a media page on the website to just say, I understand how hard it is for you to get quality content. And if you need anything that relates to, in my case, real estate, home inspection, small business, entrepreneurial buildings. I give this whole list of things. I will make you the promise. I will never embarrass you. I will make sure you get exactly what you need well before the deadline you tell me you needed it. And I will tell you what my agenda is. Meaning, would you please put my web address over here? Would you please promote my book? Could you... I will, add, I will say, this is my agenda, and this would mean the world to me if you could do this piece. And more often than not, when you're candid, they're, they're thrilled to help because you're making their job easier. Right. But that, that's the story of the, uh, you know, how in the heck you end up with a, a floating broadcast studio called Studio C and a pair yeah. of radio shows and HGTV, and we've produced television shows out of here. It's crazy. What was the first, uh, you know, let's take the content creation. Like, what was the first media thing that you got involved with? The, the first thing that I, 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 I'd say I owned, as opposed to yeah, you know, yeah. interviewed a little news piece. Right, right, yeah. I, I was buying what's called brokered time on a radio show. I still have that show. Uh, it, originally, it was called the Happy Home Inspector Show. And I bought an hour of time on, on Saturday afternoons. And that put me in a position, just like podcasters are a quarter century later, say, hey, I'd love to feature you as a guest. So people who would, would talk to me on the radio who wouldn't otherwise give me the, the time of day. That morphed into a home and garden show. And we've now had that about 20 years. I do another show down in St. Augustine called Sold in St. Augustine. I just fight 
<laughs> invite real estate people on and, and we play classic rock music and tell real estate stories between the songs. Love that. So, just having fun. And then the podcast uh, that we're doing, we've been doing several months. Our mega launch is coming up. But anyway, called Commercial Real Estate Today. I invite people into the studio and we talk to commercial brokers, commercial insurers, commercial anything that looks and smells commercial, tenants, you know, non-traditional use of buildings, anything that's interesting to them, that's interesting to me. Right. And we just share it and parlay those relationships. Yeah. So um, I, got, I, I found it interesting because, I mean, when I started, so obviously I had the baseball coaching background and then I started with uh, Fidelity and, you know, a lot of my marketing and, and getting out there was just like face-to-face stuff. Right. And then I didn't actually start doing content type stuff until last year when it became necessary because I couldn't go and see anybody face to face. And then like so when it's when I started doing actual on camera stuff, it was for virtual networking events. And I remember the first couple of times I did it, I was like so like weirded out by doing it because I was just it didn't feel comfortable. It didn't feel like, you know, we're talking to each other, but I'm still talking at my laptop. You know, like the, it's, it's an inanimate object. I might as well be talking to Wilson from Castaway, um, <laughs> you know, so was there like a, uh, a comfortability factor that you had to go with like a, you know, the, like get over the hump early on, or was it something because you said you had some background talking to people over microphone, you know, microphones when you were yeah, in the Navy? It, it would be honest to say, I mean, when you're, when you're flying along in a military aircraft, you may have three radios going at the same time. So talking to myself and talking alone is interesting. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. You just share your thoughts and ideas, but I will tell you something that helped me immensely early on with radio broadcasting, which is just exactly the same as podcasting, Right. especially 25 years ago, people don't know the sound of their own voice. You're right. (laughs) People hear their voice and go, Oh, you know, I sound screechy or gravelly. I hate my voice. Well, as soon as you say, I hate my voice, what you're really saying is no one should listen to what I have to say. Yeah. So every single Saturday, this was back in the cassette days, our show producer would give me the cassette from the week before. And I would listen to the previous week's show every week on the way home from the studio. So I know from the inside exactly what my voice sounds like to you on the outside. And what comes from that, it gives you the ability to, I guess you'd say emote, to, to cause the people who you're speaking with or, or, or broadcasting to, to understand what it's going to sound like as they're hearing you. Right. And that just comes from listening and listening and listening and listening. And it's easy to do now. You can do it on your phone. And then with video, you can just start yabbing and watch yourself and get right. comfortable you know, this is how I look. I'm a 64-year-old bald dude with crooked <laughs> teeth and a big nose. But damn it, I am charming. Very charming. I would agree. I feel <laughs> I feel charmed. Yeah. I mean, this whole time. But it's like the same thing. Like when I first started watching myself, like because when the, when the show started, it was very like professional, very buttoned up, you know, like suit jacket, you know, scripted questions, scripted answers, basically. Um, and I realized like that wasn't me because like I was just it was so stiff. Right. And then like, I've always been somewhat comfortable with myself. And I was like, I'm just going to like, let my personality shine through. So I got the beard and I know that I talk on my hands like crazy. And I know that I don't have like a Jim Nance voice or a Bob Costas voice. I have like a mad dog Russo voice, you know, like a little bit off cam voice. I got a Mike Ham voice. Right. You know, and and then you are the best Mike Ham impersonator 
in the whole damn world. Exactly. You know, nobody can do your stick as well as you. (laughs) Nobody can do my stick as well as me. And what happens is people say, oh, I want to be the next so-and-so, you know? No, you don't look like that. You don't sound like that. And oh, by the way, we've already got one of those. And what we need (laughs) is you because there's only one. Right. Often often imitated, (laughs) never duplicated, for sure. Um, sure. So uh, let's talk about Studio C, because I'm just interested in that. Because, um, you know, like, you're just, you're literally on a boat right now. And for the people listening, because we haven't discussed it, you know, like Studio C, S-E-A, is your boat. And you spend a lot of time on there, obviously, because that's like literally where your your studio is. So let's talk about that. Like, why are you on your boat doing this podcast? Uh, The smart ass answer would be because I can. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> we like smart ass answers here. That's okay. But here, here's what really happened. You know, you know, we shared, I have a little bit of background in, in, in talking and content and whatnot. And our staff at Monument Commercial Building Inspections, we're, we're not fidelity. We're small. We have 16 people on staff. Right. When the COVID came, everybody went home. And the radio shows I was doing, they said, don't come to the studio. So they set me up uh, with a Comrex device and some other things. So I invested maybe 300 bucks and I got myself a nice Logitech camera. I got some lights and and a little better microphone. And I put a studio in my office and I discovered this stuff isn't very big. So I started taking it home. And then I discovered with a little bit of green screen, I can be anywhere and do what I want. So I can broadcast anything that I do, whether it's the podcast, the broadcast radio shows or any of the video stuff, I can do it with stuff that fits in my laptop bag. I broadcasted from Fort Lauderdale last week. I broadcasted from all over the country, right back into wherever it was supposed to be. Right. Well, I've been a boat guy my whole life. You know, I had a, started in Wildwood, New Jersey, you know, at my grandparents' place and, and boating on the Delaware River. And you know, I can tell you boat stories and water stories all over New Jersey. I used to ice skate on that creek in front of the Morristown Mall, quite frankly. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a homeboy. I got that. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I had a boat, had a 34 foot Sea Ray and, and we have a condo on the water that has a boat slip. I tell people I bought a 50 foot boat slip and it came with a free condo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real estate guy, right? Yeah, right. So exactly. This, uh, 34 foot Sea Ray in the, in the boat slip and we're living on the water and everything is nice. And I'm now I'm thinking mobile studio and telling you my wife you know i'm 65 we've been saying yeah you know we need to cruise more maybe we need a bigger boat so i bought a bigger boat to uh and and we named it studio c so that i could comfortably sit here and broadcast and and that's what i do so i can broadcast from the boat it's it's just wonderful yeah i I, aggravates a few people you know they're right they're jealous that's all it is i'm jealous but you know, whatever. You can be jealous, man. You can be here with me anytime you want. Come on down. All right. Yeah. I'm going to take you up on that. Cause I was actually talking to somebody at our headquarters in Jacksonville earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. And um, they're like, Oh, maybe our pass will cross. And I was like, I'd go to Florida. Sounds like a business trip. I got to yeah. tell you right next to the fidelity world headquarters is fidelity black Knight, And you may or may not be aware they're building another like $110 million thing as part of this big fidelity complex. Yeah they have a floating dock right in front of it. And then adjacent to it is a thing called the Riverside Arts Market. Okay. It's under the interstate and they have uh, on Saturdays, put in you know, craft beer and food trucks and artists and veggies and all this stuff. 
we take the and that's about fidelity's i don't know three to five miles from my house by water yeah we uh, we go down there on saturdays tie up at the arts market go get sandwiches and, and and kombucha and all the fresh stuff that the hippies make bring it out on the boat and go cruising back i yeah. i drive by the fidelity world headquarters at least once a day and on a good day it might be four or five times I can hook that. You up, man. yeah that would be great you yeah. can stay on the boat how's that that you sounds can, even better you come down to fidelity world headquarters and and you can hobnob with all those folks right and you can stay on Studio C and expense it. Yeah, that's like, I mean, that's like about as big time as it gets, right? Hobnob with some big wigs, sleep on a boat. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, let's go back to some of the content creation stuff. So like you're obviously doing a lot of different, <clears throat> excuse me, content creation. And you said you have a team of, of 16, right? 16 people, not in the content creation. That's our business. Mine right, right. Like but but do you, content. yeah, do you empower them to put out their own content? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I, I have an assistant that helps me with some of the distribution just so I can do other stuff, but but no. And, and it really comes down to people focused on, on things they enjoy and, and things that they uh, are good at. And the, you know, I hire people who are great at doing the particular thing they're doing right and and candidly no disrespect the majority have either no interest or no aptitude to do it and i respect that yeah okay cool so you're if basically I can get them just to like and share something it's a success <laughs> right big win that's not derogatory it's yeah. just you know what's important to them it's it's no secret to anyone, I truly enjoy doing this. You truly enjoy doing this. Yeah. For other people, it would be a nightmare. Right. It's like the public speaking thing. Like it's like people are more scared of public speaking than they are of like death. You know, it's it's crazy. Um, all right. So let's talk more about like uh, the entrepreneurial spirit because, like I mentioned, you have you know these these people between the ages of twenty five and thirty five. They're the ones that listen to this show. Um, so like, what are some things that you think that you wish you knew when you first started your business that might help? A young entrepreneur today? Well, to be truthful, I didn't get on the entrepreneurial path till I was 39, almost 40, right. Right? Right. Navy pilot. And that gives you a little different, um, maybe stability or perspective, different things about fear. You know, when you're flying off aircraft carriers and doing some of the stuff they asked us to do, um, going broke is not very scary. You know what I mean? Right. No, yeah. nobody, nobody dies in entrepreneurship. It's not a big deal. Relax. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, yeah. But go I, I would go further back than the beginning of my entrepreneurial time. And I say the single greatest thing that could happen for a business builder, for an entrepreneur, is be humble and live below your means. Be humble, live below your means. You know, too many people in that, especially then with the 25 to 35, as they're advancing in their career or getting ready to launch their entrepreneurial thing, they, they spend too much money on bling. I need to have a cooler car. I need to have this other thing. And the money that could fund the business is funding their facade. Right. So it's the fake it till you make it mentality. We, yeah, all, we and, all have that to a certain degree, I think. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I wish I, I had realized the power of real estate investing and the the long term, I'm 65, you know, uh, a thousand bucks tucked away in 1973 in the right spot is a lot of money now. Yeah. So, so that, that would be that is to, you know, be fearless and be frugal 
and you can do all kinds of things. But when you when you don't watch your personal finances, it, you end up in a bad place. It, it's okay to be in a one bedroom apartment with three other dudes starting a company. That's yeah. all right. Right. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, the humbleness is definitely something that you know sometimes escapes people. I think. I think it's just like the way social media operates. I think it's the way that culture and society operates now. So there's not a lot of humble people out there, at least in my opinion. Um, but uh, but that's that's good advice. So let's talk. I want to talk more about the podcast um, yeah. because the the podcast is something you said you're having a, a uh, rollout soon, right? Like you're launching it soon. Well, we, yeah, the mega okay. launch. Mega launch. That's that's what I was looking for. The mega launch. So what we've done, I, I've interviewed, we've done 15 different episodes. And my vision on that, and this begins now, essentially, um, is rather than just keep trickling things out to hit it hard for five days in a row to see if we can't drive up 10 or 20 or 30,000 views in a real short amount of time. Right. I, I wrote a book a few years ago, and, and it's about a rapid start and getting a spike. So we drove the book, Home Inspection Secrets to the Happy Home Inspector, to number one in three categories. It didn't stay long, but it got there. And all you got to do is get to number one one time and you're number one. Yeah. So if, had you pitched in the World Series in one, that doesn't expire. Yeah. Just, you become World <laughs> Series champion, Mike Ham, and you're right. done. Yep. So with uh, commercial real estate today, our focus now is on strategic partners and teaching those partners and teaching the guests, quite frankly, how to promote themselves through promoting our podcast. Okay. Because the value of a person being a guest on my podcast or your podcast is that, that it gets out there. Yeah. Because if, if, if no one sees it or hears it, it who cares? Yeah. There, it's, it's not just the ability to produce great content. It's the ability to get people to see it and hear it. And share right. it, spread it, yeah. and like it, and review it. So that's that's what we're working on now. Awesome. So, like, what are some people that you would have? I mean, I know I mentioned it a little bit in the bio, but like, is it anybody in commercial real estate? Yeah, and I like it real diverse. And and so we've had people who are uh, uh, real estate agents. We've had insurers. We've had people to do commercial buildouts. I've had a a wonderful friend, uh, Brittany McClellan, is, is uh, her name. She writes SBA business plans for aspiring businesses. So if you want to sell a, a, a building, you need to have a, a tenant or lease a tenant. And she helps with funding through the business planning process. Right. Uh, never had a commercial title person on, Mike. I think, I think we, we, we know who that guy is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be me. <laughs> That's that, when I come down to Studio C... We'll record that episode, and then I will be your title guy. So I'm interested in like like more about the mega launch because like when I started the morning spotlight, like I mentioned, we did a bunch of episodes at once, not at once, over a 12 week span, 60 episodes, and then when I transitioned it into this iteration, I just wanted it to kind of like keep the same flow. So like every week we would post an episode, um, and I just think it's so interesting about like the mega launch. You're gonna drop, I guess, 15 episodes uh, whenever that launch date. When is the launch date? Monday. Monday. Oh, okay, great. Um, so you're going to drop those 15 episodes and then like, what's the plan after that? Do you, are you going to roll out like an episode weekly. a week? Are you going to yeah, weekly is, is the format. Okay. So we're just trying to accelerate that and we accelerate that by causing each guest to participate in the launch. Right. You know, especially in the commercial space, we have people who have a list of 5,000, 10,000 or LinkedIn followers of five or 10,000. And by that being everywhere coming in every social channel, 
every email channel from a multitude of people simultaneously. And very candidly, your channels and our, our friends at Podmax and whatnot, right. that's a lot of reach. Yeah. I don't think it's unreasonable, even in the real estate category, to hit you know, 20, 30,000 downloads in a single week with a focused approach. Right. Yeah, because you have a lot of people pulling on the same, like rowing the boat, for lack of a better expression, in the same direction all at once. And back to your uh, nautical and naval analogies, a rising tide lifts all boats. Oh, I love this. Analogies so all day. What ends up happening is when, when people collaborate, and, and let's say you bring 5,000 people to the party. That's great. You brought 5,000 people to the party. If we had 20 people at the party, now we've got 100,000 people exposed to you. Right. When, you, when you're stingy with the love, there's not much love. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it sharing audiences, sharing resources, sharing ideas. Hey, have you tried this? Have you done that? Right. It, it's the same in small business marketing. Whether you're, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Title, same way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, that's interesting because, you know, like I mentioned, I mean, I'm, I started this show with the intention of using my platform to try to get, um, you know, more of a reach, right, for the people that were coming on as guests. And then it, it took me actually a little bit of time to realize, like, you dummy, you should be using this more for you too. Like that was the whole reason why I started it was to get myself out there. And it like, because I didn't, like I'm a somebody that sometimes gets, you know, like I get focused on something and I just like go for it. Like with the podcast, I just went for it. Like I didn't plan a ton. It took me like a week to try to put together this concept and then just, you know, dove in. That's why it got done, Mike. Right. You launched. Yeah. I just went for it. Right. But then like, there's, there's the other side of it too, where like the planning side with that came in at all <laughs> early, <clears throat> you know, like maybe I would have gotten a little bit of a faster start when I first started um, you know, but... bad news, bro. There's no going backwards. Exactly. So let's relaunch this thing. Let, let's take our friends and family members and our podcast buddies. Right. And, and do that. The mega yeah. relaunch. Let's just right. do it. It's just like an, it's like an ever evolving, you know, it's like a chameleon, you know, like I'm able to kind of like stay mobile, stay, you know, like an, or an amoeba or whatever, like stay mobile, stay fluid, stay, you know, able to, uh, put myself in the best position to su succeed once I figure out what that actually is. And another boat analogy for you, you cannot turn a ship that's not moving. Oh, I like that. And the faster it's moving, the less difficult, less rudder required to change direction. Right. And all the best ideas in your business, in my business, on commercial real estate today, here on your show, come from doing it. There's some dude sitting in his basement. In fact, there's probably 20,000 dudes and dudettes sitting in their basement thinking about having a better show than yours and a better show than mine. But guess right. what they got? They got no damn Zilch. show. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So my show will always be better than theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right, we have like a few minutes left. I want to ask one more question, then do our closing segment and then wrap this up. So yeah. um, final question is going to be um, Goals. I'm always interested to kind of see goals and, and, you know, you strike me as a guy that has some goals. So 2020, obviously a year that threw a lot of curveballs, baseball analogy at us, right? A couple spitballs. couple spitballs and, you know, things that we weren't expecting. And it just seemed like at every turn, there was a new thing we had to deal with. So maybe looking ahead to 2021, which it, it has like, there's such low expectations for 2021. It just has to be a little bit better than 2020, which was a year that just kind of sucked overall. Um, do you have any, maybe it's for the podcast, maybe it's for the marketing stuff, maybe it's for the business, any particular goal that you're looking at over the next year or so? 
Well, my primary goal is to remain healthy and strong. I'm 65 years old. I work out every day. Nothing hurts. Everything works. I take no medicine. I love it. You know, I, I, we could do push-ups and I'll beat you. You definitely would. It, it's really just about enjoying each and every day and contributing to other people. Awesome. All right. So let's move this into the closing segment, which we call under the spotlight. So they've listened to Mike Ham and Wally Conway talk for about 40, 45 minutes, however long this episode has been running. Um, what is one thing you want the spotlight listeners to walk away from this episode with? For themselves to, to do it, just get in motion, stop planning and go do something for me. Selfishly, I would be immensely grateful. If you download commercial real estate today, subscribe, like it, leave a review and, and share it with friends. That would really mean the world to me. And I'd be grateful. Absolutely. We will make sure that we put all of Wally's contact information and the links to the show and everything in the show notes. Um, so, you know, so if you do want to reach out to him or just listen to the show, because I'm sure it's going to be incredible. I mean, you just listened to Wally talk for 45 minutes. I've listened to him for the last two PodMax events and was really excited to have him on the show this time. Uh, so make sure you go in and you do that because obviously it's going to, it's going to crush it. Um, so if you want to reach out to me, I will put my contact information, just like always, the website, themorningspotlight.com, and my email address, themorningspotlight at gmail.com. Also in the show notes, make sure to reach out to us if you want to be a guest or hear us talk about a specific topic. Uh, Wally, thank you so much for coming on with us today. This was awesome. Great fun. Appreciate you, Mike. Absolutely. Did not disappoint. Everybody else, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the Morning Spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.